You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Mike, there's a lot of bone to get into talk about this week, man. We got so much shit going on that uh, I'm not sure if I want to waste any time with some of the bullshit that, that's happened to me this week. Um, but first off, I was checking out the New Mexico Open this week, Mike. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that tournament, but uh, there is a tournament that goes down every year in New Mexico. It's called the New Mexico Open. And uh, yeah, the tournament's brutal. There's a lot, a lot of a lot of great bowlers that go bowl the tournament. Uh, scores are extremely low. They offer, they pay about ten thousand for first. Um, and yeah, I was surprised a little bit to see some national pros bowling that event. Uh, you know, just in the fact where there was a PBA tournament going on that we will talk about in great detail. But uh, Mike, yeah, I was just surprised, honestly, to see some national pros bowl this, uh, that tournament uh, and, and skip, you know, the the PBA event to bowl the New Mexico Open. So I guess I start off the show kind of a little bit hot here on fire. Uh, does um should the PBA brass have a gripe about these pros skipping the national event? to bowl the New Mexico Open? Does it show how, you know, the PBA payouts for these tournaments should be better? Because, you know, obviously it's no fault to me of the pros bowling because, you know, obviously those are pros that are probably in the local uh, area, um, but and they probably have less expenses. But I don't know. What do you think about that? I don't know. I'm having some audio problems. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to ask the crowd, can you guys hear Rob all right, or is it just me? Is he just breaking up for me? Was he breaking up for everybody? Let us know, please. Uh, oh, look who's, in, look who's in the chat. Look who's that. No, not surprising. Well, I just I just tagged him. I just tagged him in my retweet of our episode announcement. And uh, I think – I don't know. I think this week's um, – I think this week's episode should be titled uh, uh, Sean Rash Beats the Purple Hammer Throwers. The urethane slayer, the urethane slayer, brother. But it's not just so, urethane slayer; it's purple hammer urethane slayer, right? So, yeah, maybe it's me, Rob. People are saying you're all right, so maybe uh, when we get into it and you talk for a little while, I might dump off and jump back on here. Maybe um, let me respond to your comments about players skipping PBA events to bowl non-PBA events. Uh, here's my opinion on that. It's probably short. Uh, if the PBA doesn't want that to happen, then pay more at the events. You know, I mean, that's kind of it. Like I don't, I'm not, let me be, let me be careful about the word I use here. I think it's telling that at times Amateur tournaments can provide the same prize funds that the PBA can provide, right? I don't, to me, I don't really think that that should be the case. Uh, I don't really think that um, you can find many other examples where at the professional level of something, 
the prizes are the same or in some instances perhaps even less than prizes at the amateur level. Um, so to me, it's, it's just a, a cost factor. You know, it's like how much money do I want to spend to make the money you know, that I can make the New Mexico open. If I'm correct, was worth 10 grand. The tournament in Virginia was worth 10 grand. I'm sure for the guys that chose to bowl the New Mexico open, the travel and expenses were a lot less than it would have been for the tournament in Virginia. Uh, I have no problem with that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to say that any, any professional bowler, let me be clear. I'm not saying that any professional bowler would make that choice based on competition. But if you tell me, Rob, if I'm, if I'm bowling for a living and you tell me, Hey, you got these two tournaments, one tournament is going to cost you more money and the competition is going to be tougher. And another tournament is going to cost you less money and the competition is going to be easier. And they both pay the same thing that, you know, there's very little decision in terms of which one I'm going to. So you know, but it's funny because you have other pros that live in that area or live in close closer to New Mexico than Virginia that went to the PBA tournament. You know, so you have a lot of guys that traveled further to bowl the PBA event when they could have easily went to the New Mexico Open and saved money and expenses and bowled against less competition. Yeah, but a lot of those guys, I think some of those, I'm not going to say a lot, I'll say some also had a stake in – the overall standings for the summer tour. So if you were in the overall standings, then yeah, you gotta you gotta show up. So the diff yeah, Josh Blanchard, man, good to good to hear from you, bro. Only significant difference was New Mexico paid one and four and PBA paid one and three. Similar entry fees, but last cash was much different. And you gotta figure a one and four and the field you're bowling in compared to a one and three in the field you're bowling in Virginia. You got to figure that if you're a national touring pro, that's almost like a one and two, right? Like, I mean, the people you have to beat in New Mexico compared to the people you have to beat in Virginia are nine day, Mike. So, yeah, I get why someone would go to the New Mexico Open, but you have pros that are living in the same type of area. Some of them, most of them went to the PBA and some of them picked the New Mexico Open. So does that say anything about the, the bowlers that skipped the PBA event? Or is that just uh, you know a uh, a PBA problem? And I think you already made your your point being a PBA problem. Uh, so anyway, that was kind of on my mind, Mike. I just kind of wanted to throw well, that let, out. Let me ask this: Did you see the video of the guy who won this event? Yeah, uh, actually, he bowls in my area. Um, I don't know him. I never really spoken to him. I know he bowled a tat. Uh, every time I was there, I I, I seen him bowl. Uh, but from you know, he, he didn't throw the ball very good. He is physically Interest, interesting style. His I style. Mean, listen, listen. Clearly, my man can play. Clearly, Dude, he's good. Play. He's good. He's pretty you know, active he, bowler. He, he's... he beat he beat Francois twice. On, he beat him twice on, to win the tournament on a, on a brutal shot where Frankie is normally very very good. So I mean, obviously, is, you got to know how to. That bowl. is an accomplishment, and like. Someone, I'm not going to say, someone sent me the video, and when I first watched it, my response was, they said, the person who won beat Francois twice in the finals. Here's the video of the person that won. And I said, my, I swear, my response was, how did that happen? 
Okay. And they, you know, they explained like, Hey, they were really tough. And this guy, even though his style is very uh, interesting, he's, he's definitely, he can definitely repeat it. And, you know, listen, there, there's a lot of bowling snobbery, right. In, in the bowling community about, you know, how people throw the ball or whatever, and this, and that, like you're one of them. You're one of those snobs. No, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Don't no, lie. I'm not. Not at all. I mean, am I, am I, uh, let me say this. All right. Do I judge a book by its cover? In the bowling yes. world, I do. Yes. I do. I will say that I do. But but am I am I snobbish when it comes to like even if you're good and you don't necessarily throw it technically great, I refuse to say that you're good. No, not at all. Like uh, there's a lot of guys that come to mind that I don't think throw it all that technically great that I think are great bowlers, right? And I think it proves the point that what it comes down to is can you repeat it, right? Can well, you here's the thing it? is. I mean, Mike, one of the greatest of all time, Walter Ray Williams. Yeah, no doubt. Didn't throw the ball like textbook style, right? Um, if you didn't know who Walter Ray Williams was and he walked in off the street and he started throwing the ball, you wouldn't think he was great, right? You would think he's probably pretty good, but not like one of the greatest of all time. Look, I was happy to see Dylan win in the fact where nowadays you see so many just two-handed players like dominating um, with the urethane. And I was just happy to see somebody who, you know, put a, a, a high stress on making great shots and being accurate win on a tough shot. So, um, yeah, I was happy to see Dylan uh, win. Uh, it's just one of those things, Mike, where I was just saying I was happy to see Dylan win because we're so used to seeing two-handers with the urethane win these days on tough shots that it was just nice to see somebody who – you know, took a, his game is complete at being accurate and making and being a shot maker win on a tough shot. So that's kind of what I was saying. Anyway, Mike, I didn't, by the way, I didn't stop while you logged out. I kept going and I kept rambling. So, um, Mike, okay, enough about Dylan in New Mexico Open. Congrats to him. Great payday. Took him out of the tat for seven years. So, what are you going to do? You know, just another cashing spot for me, Mike. Um, your league, what's going on with your league, Mike? I thought you're done with your summer league. I thought it was finished. I thought last week was the last. No, we week. got we got one week left. This this Thursday, tomorrow oh. is the last week. Yeah, we're we're bowling for first place tomorrow. Oh. Uh, I believe we have a there's there's, I think, nine points available, and we have a four point lead going in. Uh, I, I honestly, I thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. I bowl terribly, man. Like uh. I shot six eighteen, I think, which is like my worst series of the summer. Um, All right, here, let's talk. Here's, let's talk. Let's here's talk. the best part, though. Here's the best part. Why? Here's what I'm going to say. I felt like I threw it possibly the best that I did all summer. Okay, and I shot one of my lowest series, right? So, <laughs> dude, that, uh, definitely, that is definitely my de- yeah. definitely my shoot three hundred. No, no doubt question. about that. No question. So, uh, go ahead. What do you want to ask me? The last two weeks, you you went six forty and six eighteen. Now, is it the bowling ball? What are you What are you doing? That's you got to figure this out, Mike. You're going for first here. I know. So they have been hooking more, and this week particularly, I think I think over the course of three games, I left like eight nine pins last week, and the rack on the right lane kept dropping the nine pin. And then when it did set it, it was setting it where it was like wobbling and it was off spot. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I'm sure that had something to do with the with with my my lack of being able to string strikes. I went two games without throwing a triple. Uh, I don't think I missed a makeable spare. No, I missed one makeable spare. I missed a three six ten, and that was it. I missed a three six ten early. Uh, I made a split, so I got that back. And yeah, like I said, I felt like I really bowled good, but I just couldn't string anything together. Now, my man GQ, uh, he shot six eighteen as well and bowled great. And yeah, he he carried us for the night, and we were able to go seven two. And uh, yeah, like I said, we we locked up the opportunity so, to bowl for first place tomorrow. Okay, so I have a proposition for you. If you guys win the league, we need GQ to come on next week to give his league review. Okay. 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 Right. We got to get no him problem. on. We got to get his perspective on league and what bowling with you was like. I think I think well, a lot of I people. Well, I can tell it. you. I can tell you. It's not gonna. It, it's gonna be. Uh, very over the top excited. He's just—I <laughs> okay. mean, he's having so the best experience of his life. But yeah, we can we can definitely have him on. So we'll, I'll tweet yeah. out how it goes tomorrow night. Now I will say we're we're um, we're bowling we're bowling a bowler tomorrow night. Uh, we're bowling a, a local kid. Uh, well, he's not a kid now. Uh, his name's DJ Barshuski, uh, former New Jersey high school individual state champion. Uh, you know, it's, it's his house. It's where he grew up. I actually have told him all summer that, uh, I try and throw it like him when I bowl there, because I think you have to throw it like him or roll it like him to be successful in this, in this house. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's been a fun summer now at the end of the week, at the end of the league session this week, I did go on a little bit of a rant about bowling on house shots and how it's fraudulent. And, uh, you know, I'm how I'm excited to get back to bowling my sport league during the winter. And there were, and I'm not going to put people's names out there, but there were some negative Nancy's who were, uh, saying, oh, well, the sport league, there's only like four or five teams that are actually committed to, to bowling the league, you know, and the rest are kind of up in the air. And I said to people, I said, listen, I don't care if there's three teams, I will show up and bowl the league. Because I don't bowl a league based on how many teams there are. I bowl it based on, you know, what are we bowling on, right? And and I don't really care. Like, I think that there needs to be more of those grassroots movements where people like us start little sport leagues here and there and try and grow them year by year, even if it means starting extremely small uh, with like a practice session type thing for three or four people and grow it from there. Uh, but there's not enough of that. You know, so somebody hit me up on Twitter today when I set out that meme about the email I got about my sport league, because apparently there's there's like seven to ten teams that are ready to go. So what was being argued about turned out not even to be the case. But uh, that meme I sent out, somebody hit me up and said, oh, I wish we had sport leagues here. And I, I hit them back and said, well, start one. You know, start one. Be the person that starts that grassroots movement. You know, like like. Get it. Find a house that's willing to work with you, willing to put out patterns once a week. Put word out. Let people come in. Bowl for cheap. You know, practice on them. Get a feel. And then, you know, once you get you know, 12, 15, 18 guys, then you say, okay, let's start a five or six team league, you know, and bowl some competition on this. I mean, 
that's that's how great things get started in 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 this community. So sure. uh, I, I highly encourage that. I also went on a rant about uh, bowling bowling action on house shots. You know, I hope I hope Dougie sees this. Actually, it, you know, it, it's just it, it it gets to a level where all becomes is who gets lucky and who doesn't. Right? It really has yeah. like. I think I saw on Dougie Vision this week somebody shot like 870 or something like that. I mean, Rob, can you imagine bowling an action match, a best of five, and you get 870 shot at you? I mean, what what, what do you do with that? You know stupid. what I'm saying? Like it's it is stupid. It's, it's not shit like bowling. No, no. So so really I think that, you know, again, more grassroots movement. I put out on Twitter and I'm serious about this. I really I would really like to try and do this. And I think people took it the wrong way. They took it as me being like a smart ass, but I would like to do it more as more in an introspective way, like where I might try and get some some decent bowlers that I know to come and bowl uh, a, a, a three game match or a five game match against me on a tough pattern, good house bowlers, and talk to them afterwards and record it and have a conversation about the experience, what it was like. Because you know, I talk to a lot of of bowlers of different levels who bowl have experiences on sports stuff and. You know, once you get on it and you see how hard it is, you kind of develop like a new, uh, a new um, respect for the game. You know, so yeah. So it's funny because I responded to you and I was just like, I know a lot of the the house bowlers that are two ten or two fifteen and above. They they know that there's sport shots out there. They know that there are tougher shots out there, but they don't choose to bowl those tough house shots. Now think about everybody in the chat room, okay? Think about your local area, okay? And think about how many 225 and above average league bowlers there are in your league, in the house, and in your areas. And then when they do run a, a sport shot tournament in the area, how many of those people don't show up? Right? I would say probably like 90% of them. And, and then that's where you get the, these tournaments that will run at like 15 to like 30 entries a tournament because your area, because these people that are in the 220s and 230s, they don't want to put themselves out there and put their prides on the line because they know that they're not going to be better than 160 or 170, um, and they don't want to learn. I, re I respect the 180 and 190 bowlers who you know, go to those sports shot tournaments and average 130 and average 140, right, and keep coming back and trying to improve themselves by bowling on that than then the the two thirty average house shot who won't touch a sports shot okay but so don't, don't you think that. it's don't you think it's different though like if somebody reaches out to you individually like through email or through a message and says hey you know I know I know that you are a high average house player at so and so house um, I, you know I'm doing this series of bowling thing bowling videos you know I want to I want to invite you to come out and bowl on this other stuff. Like, honestly, even if they say no, I think that the responses might even be good content, quite honestly. So do it. I love it. I would love to put that content out there. Um, But yeah, yeah I, no, already I, think had, I already had one taker. I already had one taker, my guy, Bobby oh, yeah? Kerwin. Yeah, my guy, Bobby oh, yeah, Kerwin. Kerwin. And like, listen, this but is... Kerwin's and, and a good I'm, bowler, though. Kerwin yeah, bowls hold, on hold, All right, let, let me say this. Let me say this, though. And, uh, and, and I'm, you know, much love to Bobby Kerwin. He knows that. So... If you've if you've ever seen him bowl, his form is not very technically no, not sound, right? No, <clears throat> but he has bowled big series. Like he has shot like an eight sixty something or whatever at the house that 
um, you know, he, I think his, his, uh, his family owns. So he's put up some big numbers in the past. He doesn't tend to bowl on tougher stuff all that often, but he did say to me, yo, if you want to do this, like I'll definitely come and do it. And yeah, it would be cool. Like it would be fun. I mean, it would be good content, you know, like it would be good to, to have a discussion afterwards. Like I'm not saying we have to bowl for anything. We could just bowl just for the competition of bowling, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I encourage people to go and do the grassroots things for sure. But all right, enough about Yo, my league. Non- get, Howard, go ahead, Ed. By the way, man, it's good to hear from you. That's an old school Brooklyn guy. Um, just came back after seven years off, and I wanted a ball sports shot. Hey, start one. Start one. Go into your bowling alley and, and start one, and and talk to the bowling center and see if they have the the you know see if they have the ability to put out a sports shot. If they don't. Find the bowling alley that can and talk to the manager, the owner, and see if that's something where you could start it. With social media these days, you could reach a lot of bowlers in the area. And, you know, hey, like, see if you could get three, four teams to start and then build it from there, and then you'll be the only sport league in the area. So, um, you know, and that's what Mike is saying that more bowlers should do. And I completely 100% agree. And that's how you're going to grow the sport if everybody – you know, takes that in the heart and does that. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, hey, 15, 20 more sport leagues is is great for, 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 for the sport. So um, anyway, uh, Mike, glad, glad you're in first place or bowling for first place. Can't wait to hear about next week. I'm sure we'll get a Twitter rant. Um, but oh, we have a PBA. Goodness. We have a PBA event. That went down uh, this past weekend, and uh, all the all the controversy, all the controversy over the purple hammer, all the controversy, illegal so, ball, and ball needs to be tested, and it's too soft, and and you know, listen, I mean, a lot of people still bowled well with it this week, but the winner did not have a purple hammer in his hand. Well, okay, so here's my take. All right, first off, congrats on Sean Rash. Uh, who had an amazing uh, tournament? Yo, beat- seven, 17 titles. That, yeah, that's man. like that's like that's like Chris Barnes territory. That's like Tommy Jones territory. I mean, he's, he's got he's got a couple majors. Only thirty nine. Thirty nine has still like, got a lot of good bowling left in him. Mike. I he's, mean, I, you know. I, it's it's kind of crazy to think about him in terms of those guys right uh because you know those are guys that we and he watched uh coming up and you know for him to now be at that level of titles uh very impressive man yeah so here's what i so if anybody didn't watch the show uh he beat a very very great he went through a great step ladder uh, i believe his step ladder was tom doherty was leading I believe uh, Tommy Jones was on that show. Uh, who was who did Tommy Jones beat in the first match? Do you remember? Because it was another urethane guy. Um, but anyway, long story short, Sean Rash was the only one in the stepladder that was using resin. Okay, and the scores were high. Okay, so that's you know definitely uh, was interesting to see some of the uh, you know people still using urethane, but they were short. So yeah, you'd see urethane. Here's the thing that I, the the point I I, I want to make fourth, right the now. The fourth player was Ryan Simonelli, Rob. Simonelli, Simone- okay. yeah, Simonelli making a return. I mean, you know, yeah, it was it was an awesome step ladder in terms of the quality of players. Like 
doesn't get much better than that, quite frankly. Yeah, so here's the point I want to make is watching Sean Rash bowl, he's able to, one, change his hand position, two, up his ball speed, and just so versatile in what he could do with the bowling ball, okay? Mike, you don't get 17 titles not being versatile, okay? My point is that he, growing up, you know, as a 39-year-old, he won on his birthday, so happy birthday to him as well, is, you know, guys like Bill O'Neill and a Mike Fagan who, you know, would grow up in our era, era and anybody in there like probably 35 and above right now seem to be a, a very versatile when it comes to being able to change hand positions, ball speed. Because guess what, Mike? These guys were bowling on uh, on, on synthetics and short patterns, and they didn't have the ability to use a urethane ball when we were growing up, right? Once urethane went to performance – Urethane got put obsolete. Maybe Brett Wolf was the only one to have success with a urethane ball during, you know, the, the, the 2000s, right? In the 2010 era, you, Bill had to become versatile. Sean Rash had to become versatile. You had to learn how to change hand positions, ball speeds, okay? Now, my point is, is this, is urethane growing up now as a young kid, and I mean in, in your, you know, teens, in your 20s, right? Is your thing going to make the bowler in the, in the generation coming up less versatile? Okay, because when you use urethane, the reason why people love using urethane so much is because you don't have to change hand positions most of the time. You don't have to change ball speeds. So, is this handcuffing right? This this generation like that's coming up, growing up with a purple hammer. Uh, I don't think it's that simple. I think there's more factors to it. I will say that it does seem like the uh, the older the, the the older players seem to be more versatile. But uh, I'm I'm going to throw out a bevy of factors here. Okay, so the older players seem more versatile because those are the guys who stuck around and won and made it, and they stuck around and won and made it uh, to this long because they're ver- that versatile, right? Uh, I'll also say, Rob, that you focus on the urethane, whereas to me, this issue probably has more to do with the focus on how many bowling balls you need to drill or how many bowling balls uh, a bowler walks into uh, an, an event with, right? So when, when, we were, when we were kids, Rob, what, what's the most bowling balls you ever, you ever had at one time or walked into an event with? I mean, for me, I remember drilling... Hey. Like four Eight. brand new, like four brand new balls before I went to junior gold in 1998, and I probably had two or three other ones that that were pretty good. So maybe like six balls I had at one time. No, I think the most I've ever brought with me would be like the World Series of Bowling, just because we bowled on five no, different no, no. patterns. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we were a kid. Younger. Yeah, let let's say six. let's say college six. and before six. It and was one of those was likely max. plastic, right? Always a plastic. Always okay. the plastic. So, Rob, today, I mean, you know, I think that the, the the emphasis has become so much on the bowling ball, change balls, find the right ball, match up with the right ball, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to change your hand position or your speed or make an adjustment in that way. And I think – these younger guys have grown up in an environment where having so many bowling ball options is stressed. 
has been stressed so much that that's what they go to. They go to the bowling ball. They don't necessarily go to their hand position or a speed adjustment. They'll, you know, make, make a change with the ball to try and make it right there. And, you know, I mean, you even have some of these kids that are coming up have been sponsored their entire careers. They've gotten free balls or, or you know, discounted balls, whatever it is, uh, their entire career. So it wasn't like that for us, Rob. You know this. It wasn't, it wasn't like that for Bill. Like, Bill, I mean, he might have gotten a ball here or a ball there at some point throughout his amateur career. But for the most part, like when he made a, a run in the U.S. Open, I know he showed up to the U.S. Open with stuff he had drilled locally and purchased locally, you know, like got got locally. So um, I think it has more to do with all the ball options than just the urethane. But again, I do, I do believe oh, – and I, I, let me point out one more piece. Rob, we bowled on two different types of surfaces. Sean Rash bowled. Sean Rash is from Alaska. Could you imagine some of the bowling centers he he probably bowled in in his career in Alaska? I mean, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say maintenance in bowling centers in Alaska probably wasn't all that great, right? So, well, if you knew Rash when he was a kid and he was younger, because we grew up bowling against him in the team masters every year, I used to see him uh, and in college. Sean Rash hooked it a lot. I mean, he his rev rate was probably as much or. Is equal or as much as Bills was when we were younger. I mean, he used to get on it, and now if you yeah, he used to throw it a million too. He used to throw oh, a million as well, thousand miles an hour. So it's to see these guys like Bill and Rash how straight they became um, well, that, because the, that, the tour just, made them. Right? You just took my last point. You just see that that's kind of intertwined with the first point I was making about why these guys are still around and still competing against mostly younger competition at this point. And that's because they are versatile and they have learned to change their game and adapt. And I've said this numerous times on the show, pick any of these guys, whether it be Rash or Bill or Belmo or uh, any, any other example that you want, and go back and watch videos of them when they first made shows or when they were in, you know, uh, in, in like match play, but they didn't make a show. I mean, they throw it radically different than they did back then. So, I think also, Rob, with some of these younger guys, I, I don't, I don't know if we've necessarily seen the 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 deeper iterations of what their game is going to look like, right? If, if that makes sense, like if you look at Bill 10, 15 years ago, he throws it much different than he does now, right? Uh, if if you take somebody who's younger and say, well, ten or fifteen years from now. What kind of tools are they going to have in their bag, and what are they going to figure out, and what what changes is that going to lead to? Uh, who knows? I mean, it, it, you can go down many different roads, and, and I'll use Sean Rash as an example of that. Like to me, the thing that Sean Rash figured out is that he needs to be more under the ball, and he needs to control his rev rate a little bit more, and he needs to learn how to play straighter through the front part of the lane. And once he figured that out and he's able, you know, now he's able to do that to a really high level. Yeah. I mean, forget it. He, he can play yep. in, he can loft it, he can get on it. He can, you know, but now he can play straight and slow it down and control the Mike, ball reaction. But here's the thing is that nobody ever talks about this, about Sean Rash's game. Dude, my man is one of, if not the best spare shooter on tour. Dude, the kid doesn't miss spares. When we were younger, he, he, he was a little bit erratic with his spares, but 
dude, he is an. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's the best on tour, but he is a, an amazing spare shooter, Mike. He really. I is. don't know. Like, I'd have to look at the statistics on that. I would. Dude, I'm telling uh, you. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm telling you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, Mike. Um. Anyway, it was a great. It was a great step ladder, though. Right. Uh. You know. Simonelli, Jones, Rash, and Darty. Uh, Darty, does he like, put in contention for Player of the Year? Well, Darty, yeah. After like, if he wins, does that change anything going into uh, it? No. I felt like no, no, it didn't. Troop has it locked up. Okay. There's no to me. Troop has the Player of the Year locked up. I mean, it could be different, but dude, he had Troop had one of the if not the best year on tour. I mean, money wise, hundred uh, percent, and. Dude, what he did this year when it came to just everything. I mean, I have to compare the stats. I would have to put a side-by-side -side up of tournaments and what, whatever, whatnot. But keep in mind, you know how I thought about Darty skipping the two majors this year. If Darty doesn't skip the two majors and maybe by chance Darty wins one of those two majors or makes a show, then we could be talking differently. But, hey, look, he that's, skipped that's out. A, that's a huge if. I know it's a huge if, but all I'm saying is we don't have that ability to know how he would have done because he didn't bowl. And, you know, Troop, even though he had a bad U.S. Open, I still, at least he bowled, Mike. I mean, you know you know what I mean. You know, comparing to Darty, right? Not bowling. So, uh, to me, Troop won hands down. I don't think there's any conversation or argument about it. But, you know, hey, look, everyone wants to argue with you these days, especially on social media. Yeah, no. Listen, it was a it, it was a great PBA season. You know, it was a lot of money handed out, a lot of good competition, uh, a lot of new titleists. You know, a lot of winners that that a lot of names that we necessarily haven't seen before. And I feel like a few stars uh, emerged along the way. You know, guys, uh, young guys who you know you, 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 you whose names should now be in that category of hey, this is somebody to watch and pay attention to and we're, we're going to recognize their name the next time we see them, right? So uh, always dude, great to see the to see the competition and, and the new names out there. Dude, I want to read Larry Bird's comment. Larry, Larry the legend, man. It's good to see you in the chat. I saw Norm Duke's average 250, 18 games in Peoria, one ball playing. Shout-outs to the beast, dude, the Columbia beast. That ball was a beast, dude. That ball was so good. The Pearl Beast and the regular Beast, man. My fit. Oh my goodness, love those balls. Um. So, but but let me let me pose this question. Here's an interesting question in response to that comment. If Norm Duke bowled that same block today, and started with a Beast, okay, and knew what he knew today or in today's environment, how many balls would he use by the end of that block? Would he still bowl with the Beast the entire time, or no. would he switch balls? I mean, Tom Darty averaged two fifty. For his eight-game block this week, or actually, no, he averaged 250, I think, for almost the entire uh, event for all the games bowled. And he switched balls quite a few times, okay? And that's, you know, Larry, that's part of my point about the bowlers of that time versus the younger bowlers of this time. Younger bowlers of this time, the move is switch balls. Bowlers in that time, the move was make a half-board adjustment. Rob, people used to make half-board adjustments, okay? I've heard... Norm Duke talk about quarter board adjustments. Okay. Dude, quarter board adjustments, right? Like who do you know today? What what young player do you know today 
that ever makes a quarter board or one board adjustment. It's like now we move zones. Okay. We move zones on the lane. Like, so yeah, it's just, it's just different. It's a different environment. And, and that, that was, uh, you know, that was part of the, yeah, that was part of the, part of the point. Yeah. I mean, dude, Norm Duke, you want to talk about versatility? Um, but that's the thing that I was going to bring up about being versatile is when you now, these guys like a, a Norm Duke or a Sean Rash or a Bill know how to change ball speeds. They know how to change hand positions. Belmonte is the most versatile two-handed player out there. It, it, probably what he can do with his ball roll and speed. But now you're able to use eight balls and you have all those hand positions and your ball speeds. So these guys have so many tools compared to a lot of the younger guys that they're able to find out when, you know, they're able to figure out a lot of lane conditions because they have so many hand positions and they have the ability to, to switch balls too. So uh, it, 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 it becomes where these young kids, they, we're going to see how versatile they are. I think eventually, Mike, eventually something down the road is going to happen where, to my opinion, the urethane is going to start phasing out of the game. That's a big take. Okay, I could get crucified for this. But I think eventually the ball companies, they're going to get involved and they're going to say to the people that make these decisions that, Look, we need to sell more high-performance bowling balls. Like we we need to do more for our high performance, and uh, we need to figure out a way to phase out urethane because look, like it's the urethane is just not good for anybody. Because when a, a league bowler decides he's going to use urethane, those urethane balls they last for a while. They're not going to drill as many bowling balls. I'm going to go in a different direction with this. I I, I agree with you. Like, I, and and listen, you know me, man. Like, I'm more of a fan of professional bowling than like anyone. I watch all the time, but even me, towards the end of this season, I, I was getting a little bored with like the same thing, the urethane, and people playing lanes the same way. So here's the direction I want to go in. I want to I want to lobby the PBA to get more creative with the lane patterns. I, I, I can't, I really can't believe that there's not more emphasis and focus on the lane patterns themselves, variety in the lane patterns, and constantly, constantly changing the environment to keep it as challenging for the players as possible. Right. And and I just I don't think that there's been enough of a focus on that. You know, maybe maybe over the since they introduced the, the animal patterns right now, I know they've expanded their library of patterns, which is good. But I want to see more um, variety in that library. I want to see more creative stuff that, that, that really changes the way the ball goes down the lane and, and what the players have to do. And I'll, I'll give an example of this. Like the first time the, the PBA put out the uh, – what what's the longest pattern? The badger pattern? Okay. Yeah, 52 feet. Yeah, right. I have a 300 on that. You know, okay. Not bragging. The first, the first time they put that out, okay, and I was watching on Extra Frame. And this is, this is some years ago now, right? And the first time they put that out and I was watching on Extra Frame, I saw balls going backwards into the pocket and striking. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
And I was oh, like, I oh, holy shit. Awesome. Like these yep. balls are going backwards and striking. And I, 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 I know the fade. I was a master of the fade at one time. Love the fade. So man. I get you didn't grow up in the East Coast and not know the fade. Man. I get the fade, right? You had to be able to fade, fade. zero, high and That's tight, it. buddy. That's it. That's right. <laughs> so tight. I get it. I get it. But my point is that I want to see more of that. I want to turn on bowling and I want to see something, you know, a ball go down the lane, a player play the lane and say, wow. I haven't seen that kind of reaction or a ball do that in quite some time. That's why I love the U.S. Open 40 feet flat one-to-one so much because how the bowler influences the ball and and the speed and the rotation and the accuracy has the ultimate impact there. So you can see a ball go down the lane that looks like it's really good, and it is good target-wise, but it's a little quicker. They didn't hit it the right way, and it gets six or it gets seven, and, you know, so I, I I like that type of environment, and honestly, I just I don't think that for the professional level, there's been enough focus on variety in the lane patterns, forcing the players to do different things. If I'm Tom Clark, Tom Clark's a bowler, Rob. He's a bowler. Like if I'm him, he's got to be bored with seeing the same shit go on and the same shit go down the lane all the time, and guys play him the same way all the time, right? He's got to be bored with that. I would personally go to the the lane, the, the person in charge of lane maintenance, the players committee. I'm not doing it in secret. I'm going to make it a public thing and say, no, no, I want to see a pattern that's going to make these guys do something different. Period. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Like they need to literally, well, Michael, what about this idea? Start over, like get rid of all the patterns they're using today and introduce five to seven brand new patterns, right? And I don't care if you come up with names or footage, whatever the hell they need to do. I know certain pros, like I know Bill isn't a fan of like the name patterns or whatever, um, but they need to start over from scratch, come up with different lengths of patterns, different volumes, maybe different oils. I mean, they have every resource available to them to do that, right? You have you know, facilities you could test. You could bring in maybe a Nick Hoagland, right, from USPC. You could maybe go to Kaggle. I mean, is Kaggle doing their stuff right now? Or is I'm, – I'm not really even sure who's doing those lane patterns that they're using right now, Mike. Do you know? I'm not – I don't want to make any well, – like, I think I think it's the PBA that, that ha, you know, is, is in charge of it. But I'm sure they work with outside organizations to develop them in some way. Yeah, so I think they – Whatever it is, man, you're the PBA. Collaborate, right? Work with the USBC. That's Work what I'm with, saying. How right. can guys be bowling the same way all the time for this long period of time, and we're just not going to make any effort to change the the, but the playing but environment Mike, for the for the so, best bowlers in the world? But here's my point, though: Are they doing do Are they doing that on purpose because they want the same players to make the show every week? I. I'm no, just saying because no, no, I don't a, that. look, 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 look. I don't subscribe a marketing, to that. I don't subscribe to that. Why? Why? Because as a marketing for a, a professional organization, you want the same players on TV so you could market a guy like a Belmonte. You could market a guy, you know, like a, a Simonson and a Kyle Troop. You want these guys making as many shows as possible for the PBA so you could keep marketing them and they become like the face of your organization. If you have different people making the shows every week, it's not exactly the greatest, you know, marketing tool for them. 
Just saying, yeah, but I don't I'm know. just playing just, devil's advocate here. I hear you. I hear you. I and, and, and listen, you play devil's advocate, but I know people in the bowling community, in the professional bowling community, who think that what you are saying is the actual truth and that in some way the PBA influences what goes on with the lanes to try and control who makes the shows or who wins or whatever. And listen, I mean, to me, that's too close a line to saying that they are uh, creating a fraudulent playing environment. And yeah, I don't, I just, I just comments. don't think that that's their intent. You know, like we I said, a lot of shot here, we got a lot of chat here. Yeah, I there's some of these. Well, well, people, people are mainly commenting that Brunswick is in charge of the lane maintenance for the PBA, and that, and that's that's fine. That's that's really weird. Being they, they're like one of the main ball companies, but whatever. Uh, I, I would Jim, actually Jim like Green to see 10. that change too. That should that should be independent, right? That should be completely independent. Whoever is in charge of the lane maintenance, it should be someone the PBA pays who's independent of anyone really. And the only person directing them should probably be the commissioner of the PBA. And that's, Hey, be is it. that, is that is, Tyler? Are you Coley Edison's burner account? High scores, <laughs> sell marketing and viewership. I know somebody agrees with you up there. Um, I'm just kind of going through these but, comments. But my thought though, is that no matter what you put out, these guys are eventually going to find a way to, to score high on it. You know, no, so the high scores are going to be there. Sport Bowling Productions. Coley and the Dream Team are doing the patterns. Uh, no, because no. if they were doing the patterns, the average would be 260 to make to make the step ladder. Um, Brunswick is in charge of the PBA lane maintenance. Okay, so maybe, you know, it, Brunswick has went through a lot, b- bunch of changes, right? Um, you know, they uh, acquired Ebonite, and I don't know if Brunswick – look, I, I, this could be completely off. I don't know if Brunswick is the best company to do the PBA lane patterns. I feel like you, you might be able to collaborate with a company like Kegel uh, that maybe could like work with you. Because look, we had Chris Chartrand on the show, the president, the CEO of Kegel, and he's a bowler on top of it, and he knows what they're doing uh, in Kegel. Uh, John Janowitz up there. If you've ever been down there to Kegel, they know what they're doing. They're bowlers making bowling patterns. To me, like Kegel would be a pretty good choice to go and maybe collaborate on new patterns. Um, yeah. Mitch, Mitch young in the chat is saying uh, high scores might help with sponsorship of drama is what brings them back. If you have close challenging matches, that'll keep the fans wanting to see what is going on. Yeah, but you can't next. control that. You can't control that. If you're the PBA though, like that's the problem. I mean, you, you put two pros on the TV show, you don't know what they're going to bowl. So you can't control the drama in the close matches, but you can control the entertainment value of like, you know, I saw the PBA now, Mike, and I don't want to switch gears here because I think this is an interesting topic, but I saw a PBA article come out. Uh, I guess there's a new PBA writer who's now they're writing articles. So I saw Dude, an article Nolan, come the out. Kid Nolan. Yeah, which is great, in my opinion. Look, I, I criticize the PBA for a lot of stuff, but they need whatever they could do to create content to get people to get to know the players better is a good content, okay? People need to read about them. They need to you know, learn about their personal lives, you know, what kind of drama they've been in their lives, how they got there, uh, what, you know, just look like, make them relatable. That's how people love you. And that's why people will want to watch. Um, but yeah, so I know this is good stuff, Mike. I'm reading some of these comments and I do our fans look Mike to me, our fans are the most knowledgeable fans. Okay. People that watch our show, like, know what's going on out there right like they are bowlers 
they are very knowledgeable. So I love reading the comments because when I say something stupid, then I normally get crucified. Um, yeah, can I say something about that coverage? About that type of coverage? I agree. Sure, with you. sure, sure. And I yeah. think I think the kid Nolan does a nice job. I've I've interacted with him online a little bit on Twitter. Um, but you know what? And I and I saw today that the PBA posted one of I think Darren's to their Facebook uh, feed. And you know, listen, like that's all well and good. And I know there's a lot of people out there creating content around bowling like we're doing, and that's cool. And I. I appreciate all of it, and I follow as much of it as I can. Uh, yeah. But I will say that honestly, Rob, like the PBA should be making the effort to do that on their own. You know, it shouldn't. It, it, like they they should they should have invested uh, within the organization. Uh, you know, some kind of team arm, whatever you want to call it, that is working to do the things that you just brought up, like promoting the players. It shouldn't just be the players themselves creating the blogs and the PBA just posting them. It should be the PBA going deep and creating that content with the players and, you know, using that content themselves to, uh, well, look, to, to create, you know, to, to draw attention. Mike, Mike, we've already, by them doing, passing a lot of that to flow, we've already realized that the PBA isn't interested in doing stuff themselves that they're better off just sourcing it out to other companies to do stuff that for them. Okay. They did it with flow flow is creating some fan content, which we haven't seen in a really long time. FYI haven't seen any new content from flow lately. Well, that's Wonder what I was going to say. How's that going? How's that working? How's that going? But I want to read this comment from John Stevenson, because to me, this is a great one. And I, there is a few ways I want to answer this, but he writes besides the hardcore fans that have flow who watched or even knew that there was a summer swing. How does that grow fans and interest? Okay, look, like, just because it wasn't on TV doesn't mean it was a bad thing for the PBA. Uh, I think it definitely, um, the more live events they bowl, the better it is for them, okay? Um, I, I do think that it, it wasn't marketed great, okay? The the dream team seems to be summer break, Mike. May, like, maybe they'll come back uh, next week. I, don't, um, I just think if it's not on national, if it's not on national TV, they just don't have as much of an interest. Well, they don't. But for the local areas that they're bowling in, right? For those areas like Virginia, where they bowled and they bowl, those are. I mean, Virginia had a pretty good turnout, from my understanding. The fans were into it. You could hear the the, the cheering in the background. Uh, and when I saw the the cameras going out, there was a lot of people there. So those create interest in those areas, right? National interest, though, and in, in, in look, it's not on TV. Then, yeah, it's it sucks, but I feel like bowling or having events for the pros and having events in different areas definitely does help the interest and grow to a certain extent. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, so Mike, anything else we want to talk about, or do we want to get to? Uh, uh, I want to highlight Howard Forrest's comment. He here where he said have been on TV where there are less of other sports on should capitalize Howard. That's an interesting comment. I agree with you, my man. And uh I don't know exactly when I don't can we can we do it next week, Rob? Is next week doable where we could come on and present each of us without collaborating at all what we think would be the perfect PBA schedule? Like like we talked about this before where we take the total money available from last year and you and I are allowed to break it down however we want, however many events, with a schedule, and and I would like to do that. 
uh, a hypothetical okay. uh, ideal PBA schedule. And, Perfect. Yeah, and I, we'll use I this money the 2021 season, right? Yes, really 2021, 22 Total. season. And we'll, you know, we'll just we'll we'll just say like you know prize fund wise, like okay, you'd have one event for this much, one event for that much, you know, whatever okay. it may be, and we could spread those out and uh, and yeah, just you know, kind of see like all right, well, what what do we think would be the ideal schedule? Uh, I, and I any locations Howard, we could but, pick, we could pick locations all all across the country, or we want mostly where like you know, yeah, no, was, John, John Stevenson asking, is there a twenty twenty two schedule? Well, there's none posted on the website, but you can't judge by that. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's a schedule and it's just the crappy website, but who knows? All right. Uh, my other thought, just to just to close up that other idea, Rob, about the content, is with flow, this, that, the other thing, whatever, the PBA should want to own their own content is what I'm saying. The PBA should want to create and own their own content and use it how they Let's, see fit. When you put the things behind a paywall, yeah, you know, when you put the things behind a paywall, then not as many people are going to see them. Okay. Yeah, I agree. It, the stream has got to be. I mean, look, I, I get that they're trying to make money. Flow is trying to recoup a lot of stuff, but I think a lot of that has to be reevaluated. You know, maybe a couple tournaments be free. Uh, I, I don't know. There's definitely stuff going on. Mitch Young, yo, if you win that GM job and we're at the central, oh man, this is a great comment. I am up for a GM job at a small center in Central Florida and plan on having Sweep the Rack on TV every Wednesday. Mitch, <laughs> let me give you a Mitch. Let me give you a piece of advice. I love it, love the enthusiasm. Uh, but if you get that job, do not put Sweet the Rack on the TVs every Thursday. Okay, hey, put on some uh, non-controversial uh, vanilla programming that won't offend or uh, upset anyone, and that's what you should do. Okay, so yeah, I can't imagine. Like, is it? it the, like a, a, a kid's school bowling event tell, going on tell, Wednesday tell night. Tell the kids earmuffs. Tell the kids earmuffs. Earmuffs because Rob's on a rant about some bullshit. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know. true. Um, anyway, uh, but we still have to talk, and I know we'll go through the final thoughts a little bit uh, on some other bowling that's going on, right? Uh, that's going to be going on this week. Well, Rob, Rob, we come on. We got to give the people what they want first. Yes, yes, sir. All right, Mike. This. We didn't talk about this. So, like, I are you going to do the one that you sent me? Uh, yes, I'll do that one because I have another one, but I'll save that for next. No, week. I have. I'll, I'll, yeah, this was such a uh, an easy week for this was such an easy week. Uh, okay, for so, so do week. like I have so, so you many. Want, okay, I'm going to do the one that I sent you, but I got to pull it up here real quick. Oh no, I got it. I saved it. Okay, so I'm going to go through this. And I, um, I, I would pull this up, but it, no one could really read it anyway from the picture. So um, I guess there was a, a, a league that where the league was going at it with the owners of the bowling center. The bowling center is owned by a family uh, called the Roberts family. Now, I don't know if anybody knows, wow. but it's, it's Central Lanes. So if anybody knows that area and knows that bowling center and knows the Roberts family, Tell the owners to hit us up. I would love to have them on to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. Remember, yo, know, if you go back to our early episodes, do you remember when we were calling bowling centers and asked them if they had eight pound balls? Do you remember that? Oh we God. need, we need to, you know, we should just call this bowling center and try and get these people on the phone. Oh, Seriously. we should. I love that idea. Um, 
But uh, so they sent out a flyer that everybody in the league needed to sign. What's now, the name of the know. place? I'm going to look it up right now. What's the name? Central of the place? Lanes. I'm not sure where it is, but you could type in Central Lanes and then Roberts Family. Um, I think Russell Yap is saying it's Arkansas. Is he correct? Oh my God! So anyway, let me read. Go ahead. Three rules, okay? Then now, rule number one is probably the greatest rule that's ever been made in in a waiver to sign before you bowl the league. Number one. Everything is recorded, including audio, and any mention negatively of the Roberts family is automatic expulsion from the center for life. Mike, they got this fucking bowling center bug, bro. Like, <laughs> you can't say the word Roberts, and they're, they're going to be like, swarm, swarm, swarm. There's going to be security and all kinds of people like escorting you out because. You said the bowling the bowling alley sucks or the lanes suck. So, yo, like, you can't – like, dude, they're – oh, I can't even – there's just so much in there. Like, uh, number two, um, no outside food, drink, or articles for sale about written – without written approval. Mike, if you want to bring in, like, fast food or something, which I understand why they don't want fast food in the bone center, okay, because the bone center has to make its own money. If they have a snack bar, you don't want outside food in, in the bowling center, okay? But my whole thing about this one is you have to get written approval, okay? So what does that mean? Like if I have a, like – if I went to, I don't know, Burger King and I got a double beef whopper meal and I want to eat it in the bowling center, do I have to go to the front desk and be like, hey, guys, like I got this like great number two. Like I need written approval in order to eat it, like. So I don't know. I think that's hilarious. And if somebody could like take a video of them trying to get written approval, bringing in fast food to this bowling center, I think it would be an amazing video. Um, your first offense of that is a $50 fine. Second offense is a hundred dollar fine. Third uh, offense is expulsion for life. Okay. No outside cups, even if it is filled with our drinks, Mike, little John couldn't bowl in this bowling center, Mike. Because he's got his, you know, that cup. He couldn't even bring it in and fill it up with anything that he wanted. So, um, and being respectful to any employee that works both ways. Stacy Roberts is to be notified of an employee's lazy, rude, etc. Mike, there. This is the flyer that they sent out to the leagues, and everybody had to sign that waiver before they bowl the league. But don't talk bad about the Roberts family, Mike. I'm afraid that Sweep the Rack might get expulsion from Central Lanes because we're talking about their flyer for their league. Should I call them? Central Lanes? Yeah. Is it Central Lanes in Arkansas? Is call it? Does you, anybody you know? Have it? Call I them. do. I have it pulled up. I just don't know if it's the one in Arkansas. I would, I would like for somebody to uh, you call them and let's ask that. for Stacy Roberts and ask them how, what do you need? No, ask her, be like, Hey, look, like we're looking to bring in some Wendy's tonight in league. How do we go about getting written approval to make that happen and see what she says? I would also tell her, listen, if she t says no, I would say, what if we get Bill O'Neill to show up? What if we get, and, and then if she says no, that I'll say, what if we get Jason Belmonte to show up? And then I'll, Bet you, I'll bet you when we get to that point, they'd be like, yeah, you can bring whatever you want. 
No. All right. Let me let me do do people know? Tell me if it's the one in Arkansas. Because if it is, then so I, I guess people it. know. I guess they lost the whole league over this. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, these people aren't gonna be signing that waiver. Dude, the mini eliminator made one year people sign waivers prior to bowling. That was the last year they ever ran the tournament. No bowler in their right mind wants to sign any waivers before they bowl anything. Trust me. You want a quick way to kill a league or a tournament, make a bowler sign a waiver. Trust me. If you run a center or run a league, do not do that. My brother has this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I have the same one. I have the same one, Dave. Yeah. Put him on speakerphone. Ask to speak to Stacy Roberts. Tell him we're going to bring in Wendy's and we we want written approval. Let's see. Put, Put it closer up. Can you guys hear the ringing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We can hear it. Are they not going to answer the phone? <laughs> it must be busy. It's leak night. I'm sorry. The person you were trying to reach has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Oh, it's they haven't the even set their voicemail box up yet? <laughs> oh, Dude, we got to get it for next week. We got to get the real phone number because we are going to ask about Wendy's and hey, yo, we also got to say, yo, we heard uh, through the grapevine that there's been some shit talking on the Roberts family. Like what's going I gotta, on? I got to try it again. Cause they might've thought I was okay. like one of those car warranty calls. They okay. probably thought, you know, they see my but number. If it's a bone setter front desk. You would think that like, or is that yeah, but maybe it's like, maybe it's Stacy Roberts cell phone. You know, they want, she wants direct word. If somebody's trying to bring food into the bowling center. Well, it's already eight or nine o'clock in Arkansas. So, I mean, no, it says on Google they're open. Oh, my. This... I'm sorry. The person you were trying no, to reach had no. All right. We're All gonna right, going to have to follow up on that. We're going to have to reevaluate. If somebody's got a good number, uh, let us know. <laughs> I I'm love all, it. I'm all about this is... it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling yeah. you that. If if we offered to bring Belmo with us to their bowling center, they would let us bring in whatever food we wanted. It would have taken that to get an, a, a complete blanket. Okay, yes, you can bring whatever. Okay, on to my uh, worst of the week. Not as fun as your worst of the week. <laughs> They're watching the show. <laughs> the Roberts family yeah. is all gathered around yeah, because they, they knew are. we were talking about them. Yeah. All yeah. right. What is, what is your worst of the week? You know, not as fun as yours, but you know, listen. I mean, pay pay respects to the goat. Pay oh, respects to the goat. He was okay? on fire this week. Oh my goodness! Uh, I'm gonna use the one that I sent out on Twitter just because. I'll let let me read it first, and then I will give you my way of looking at it. Why I used it. This is if you guys are new here. The goat of worst of the week is uh, is Tim Buck uh, from the USBC discussion Dude. forum. Respect He's one name. of the moderators. All right. Show respect. respect. Okay. Uh, he says, admin, try this again. Because he had already posted about this same issue earlier, right? Admin, yeah. try this again. No, all caps now. No links to other groups. It's not allowed and never has been. End caps. FYI. Hear the reason behind the caps. I gave something. Now, he's explaining 
Okay, <laughs> let me do a breakdown of this. Post, <laughs> he's explaining why he's yelling in the post. All right, if you're not following, okay. God, he's basically saying he's he's doing the internet version of. I'm sorry for yelling, but let me explain why I'm yelling. Let me, okay? let me explain the caps. I right, love, never explain the caps. Uh, the I gave someone a warning last week after they posted their group and asked people to join posted group and join their league. They acknowledged it and just turn around and did it again. This person mm-hmm. left the group over a year ago and just rejoined two weeks ago. There are rules in this group that need to follow where the group don't get hammered with group links, YouTube videos, ball reviews, etc. There's been a few different spinoff groups over the years, and everyone starts out with no rules or very little, and most end up with some of the same rules we have here. But they allow ball review and YouTube videos without any restrictions. Guess what? Guess what? Most of them are full of ball reviews and YouTube videos and very, very little actual discussion. So in this group, it's no links to groups. One ball review, certain YouTube bowling-related videos every seven days. I mean, I mean, I, I just can I just dig into the insanity of this shit here? So are you telling me that Tim Buck has like a list where he's like he, you know, monitors this person posted this and that and then He's. I mean, this is this is this is wild, right? And then, well, here's the thing, Mike. Though, listen, he knew that guy left a year ago, right? And came right back. and Dude, came back. Thousand members. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, how? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, clearly, Tim feels the need for rules, right? We we've we've sensed this before. He reiterates that here. And then the last thing that I'll comment on here. Uh, is is the fact that he says that there's like imitation groups that that try to be renegade with no rules, but they always end up coming back and being more like him with the rules because it just doesn't work out if there's no rules. With no rules, there is no order. So I don't. Oh my goodness! God bless oh. Tim Buck, yo. God bless Tim. Oh. God bless. Oh. Man, does he have kids? That's what I. I mean, I don't well, they like, monitor for. They help them monitor it. Live it like living under that type of regime. I don't know, man. If he's monitoring the message boards that closely, what? What? I don't know. You know, uh, Tim, the goat. Hey, Put right. respect on that name. We'll talk about him. Goat. Yeah, I mean, if- all right, Rob. Uh, we've come to the end here. Final thoughts. What do you got? Well, I got two things real quick. First, if anybody's interested, I'm actually going to be on the Bowling with uh, Feff. I, I hope that's what I'm saying his last name show on next Tuesday. Mike, he's interviewing me, okay, which is interesting because I'm we're so used to actually doing the interviews. Um, but I'm excited because, as you know, uh, I have a lot of stories that are yet to be shared. So, anybody wants to check that out, it'll be on next Tuesday, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, <clears throat> 6 p.m. my time, which would be 8 p.m. Central time, I believe. But if you're friends with me on Facebook, I'll probably throw it on our Sweep the Rack uh, fan page too, our group page on Facebook. So if you guys want to check out me getting interviewed, I, um, I'm going to have some good stories. I'll probably share some gems about bowling with Bill in college and 
you know, some of my experiences as a younger uh, adult when I was actually pretty good. Um, second thing, uh, PWBA, the US, the, USB, the US Open is this week, Mike. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, they're starting practice session today. Real quick, uh, there were four qualifying rounds on four different patterns, three then blocks of match play, and then I believe it's going to a uh, stepladder, which would be actually on Tuesday on CBS Sports Network uh, finals from 4 to 6 p.m. So that actually be I'll be airing the interview right after. <laughs> Um, uh, put up, put up Brian Hirsch's comment. He said, "No other links to other shows. We have rules here." God, that's great. That's great. Yeah, stop yeah. linking other shows on our show, Rob. Yeah, can't do it. But no. Um. Anyway, so yeah, uh, PWBA US Open. I believe they're going to be paying the hundred thousand for this tournament. Hundred grand. Um, hundred grand on top. Yo, that's awesome. That's awesome that the ladies are going to bowl for a hundred grand. This might be the week I get bowl TV. Wow, um, I don't know for one tournament why you would do that, but well, hey, they're going to bowl for a hundred grand at other tournaments now too. But I mean, listen, let me say this: I don't care who it is. When there's bowlers competing for a six-figure prize, I want to be watching. That makes it interesting to me, right? Well, off the bat. Because what did I say before the show, David? I said I would be very interested to see. If Jillian Martin makes the show for the U.S. Open, I think that would be the greatest thing for women's bowling to see her bowl for a U.S. Open at the age of like 17. Um, you know, and I think she's like right now, like the best storyline that women's bowling has. And- uh, cool. Jillian Martin's cool. All due respect to her. She, you know, doing her thing. But I'll be really surprised if one of the big names doesn't step up and take down this hundred grand. I mean, we're talking serious money here. A lot of these ladies, a lot of these ladies, you know, had years where they weren't able to make a living bowling. Okay. Uh, you know, so to be bowling for a hundred grand, I expect one of the big dogs to step up and take that hundred G's. My prediction for the, for who to win would be Shannon O'Keefe. I Shannon O'Keefe is a me. Wouldn't He's a gamer. Surprise me. He's a Kelly, gamer in the majors. Liz, Liz Johnson wouldn't surprise me. Not one bit. Kelly Kulik, right? Kelly like, Kulik, even even the girl Dasha Kovalova, like she's she's been crazy uh, hot over the last couple of years in college and the beginning of her professional career. So uh, wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, uh, Verity, yeah. yeah, she's been really hot lately. You know, I'd just be really surprised if you see a name you know, that we're not super. I mean, I know we're all familiar at this point with the name Jillian Martin, but somebody who we haven't seen win on huge, huge stages before emerges Daria. to take down this prize. You know, my, I don't you know. know. Da- I mean, she, she, she I, I don't know hot. if I'd consider her. I don't know if I'd consider her somebody who has vast experience winning on big stages. Same thing with Verity. I mean, that right. was, I think, I think it would be Verity's. Did, did you know she's finished second a lot in these events? So you want to her get first over title that hump. Year. Right, she won her first title this year. Yeah, she did. But to get over, you know, to, to like get over that hump of having these second place finishes in a hundred thousand dollar event, you know, that's something that's tough to do too. So like, what you know, about Amy? What about um Richards? Uh, what, what's her name? Um, Jordan Richards. Jordan Richards. Jordan, yeah, but a lot. But but again, like somebody who hasn't really won at that 
elite level yet, right? right. And I, what I'm saying is, I Chris think Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah, surprised no, no. if if somebody emerges to win that hundred k that doesn't already have a win at an, a right. super elite level. Like Clara Guerrero, right? Role. Like someone like someone like Clara Guerrero, you would like kind of like say, look, like she's always been kind of around, but never really made that huge step. So it'll be interesting. Now, look, I'm excited for the women. Um, Danielle you know, McEwen. Danielle yeah. McEwen. That's a name we didn't mention that we definitely should mention. Yes, Jansen. Absolutely. No yes. question that she should get a mention. You know, that That's somebody that wouldn't surprise me at all. Wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, I would have to take a look at the the well, field. She's defending champion. Like, she's yeah, champion. well, Rob, like I'm going to throw a name out there too, who who's been around for a long time. I don't know whether she's been bowling or not competitively or whatever. Shannon Pulhowski. I mean, you put Shannon yeah, Pulhowski in, in a field like that, especially if the left is in play, and you know that's somebody who could compete for that she's kind of deal and might come out. She's so, like. Yeah, He's a great bowler. I, I, I'll, I'll likely be watching. I mean, I, does anybody know if this is on national TV or the finals on national TV? Or yeah, CBS Sports Network. Yeah, okay. No. All right. Okay. Cool. It's on CBS Sports Network, uh, four to six p.m. I'm not sure if that's East Coast time or Central time, but four to six. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm also going to want to see the match play. I mean, the the position round of that, uh, the position round of that event is going to be is going to be pretty sick. You know, for you know the people the trying to is, get though, in and have a shot at that hundred k. Mike, the problem is just looking at the like schedule. Is they put the the top twenty four um like matches and it's on like a Monday at like four to five p.m. Like I okay. personally, if that's East Coast time, like I have zero chance of like wanting to watch because obviously I I work like most most people do during the day, so I'm not going to be able to watch it. So that kind of sucks because I sometimes feel like. They want to grow viewership in tournaments like this. They need to put like the the match play and a lot of the for, uh, qualifying and make it so that it's on the weekends, so that it, let's just say a Saturday or Sunday where if it's raining right all day and you want to just hey get some food, make some food and watch match play. And I don't even want to bring up we should be allowed to bet on some of the match play, but you know that's how you're going to grow viewership is going to make it easy for guys like me and women like me who work during the week to be able to watch qualifying and match play on the weekends when we have the ability to. But anyway, you know, I've, I've went on that route numerous times before. Rob, a lot of people in the chat are complaining about the sunlight coming through your shade. I know, you I, I, know I know, but we're almost done anyway. Flex. So He's trying to flex on all you people. Dude, he wants, I'm, to, he wants to show you. I know, I'm sorry about that. I This is I, normally not the angle that I go with, but um, we're almost done anyway, so I'll stop moving right. my head. Uh, yo, hosting a major party this weekend. Uh, it's going down. Uh, Pool Bash 2021. Uh, you know, Is Meek Mill going to be there? No, no. Meek Mill will not be there. Couldn't, couldn't, actually couldn't arrange any rapper to show up. Couldn't get that done. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just too hard. Uh, Come but on, no, Bill. We're going we're gonna to have, we're going to have a good time nonetheless. Is Bill going to be there? I believe Bill's going to be there, yes. Oh, he's yeah. making an appearance, huh? Dave says he's flying in. Dave, you're more than welcome. Dave knows. Dave knows. Dave was at Dave was at the the last major party I had, which was like 20 years ago for my 21st birthday. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're throwing down. We're ready to go. I had two tents delivered today. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Got a lot of work to do here. So uh, I'll be busy. But, yeah, but, you know, bowling season's over. It kind of is a downer. 
uh, Rob. But you know what? Football's coming back. So, uh, you know, we're, we'll, we'll be good to go in a few weeks, and uh, hopefully we get some word on, on next season's schedule. Yeah, I mean, they didn't come out with this schedule until, like, months prior, but I we gave them a pass because of COVID. So hopefully we could see something come out soon. But True. anyway, so, yeah, don't forget to follow us uh, on us, all platforms, Sweep the Rack uh, at Gmail. Hit us up. Sweep the Rack on Twitter. Sweep the Rack on Instagram. I'm Brooklyn Rob 11 on Twitter. It's always always exciting adventure on Twitter. Um, I'm at the 215. I'm at the 215. Hit us up. Sounds yeah. good. All right, Rob, have a good week. Uh, you too, man. You know, I'll, I'll put out on Twitter how our final league night goes tomorrow night. And then if we win, I will arrange to have GQ on the show next week. Actually, we should probably have him on win or lose. It would probably be good content. Yeah, I just want him to do the league review. I don't want to hear it from you. I want to okay. hear his league review. Okay. All right, no doubt. Uh, so All we'll make right. that happen. Uh, folks, have a good week. Uh, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk to everybody talk next week. All, All right, right, guys. Appreciate it. We're now listening to Sweep the Rack podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big 